0: This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, January 7th. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Virginia Allen. On Tuesday, all eyes were on Georgia
1: as two Senate runoff elections took place. Janae Strackey, the grassroots director of Heritage Action for America, spent weeks on the ground in the Peach State mobilizing voters. Strachey joined me on the Problematic Women podcast this week to talk about what she heard from voters on the ground in Georgia and what it takes to conduct a grassroots campaign effort. We're excited to share that conversation with you all here today.
0: And if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And please encourage others to subscribe. Now on to our top news. The U.S. Capitol was breached and put into lockdown Wednesday afternoon with videos on social media showing alleged Trump supporters fighting with Capitol Police. Representative Dan Kildee, a Michigan Democrat, tweeted, I am in the House chambers. We have been instructed to lie down on the floor and put on our gas masks. Chamber security and Capitol Police have their guns drawn as protesters bang on the front door of the chamber. The Blazes' Elijah Schaefer tweeted a video of Trump supporters fighting Capitol Police. Here's the audio from that. Schaefer yep. <Murmurs> you. yeah. yazarı… mm-hmm. <laughs> wrote Revolution and in process as Trump supporters break into the Capitol building, attacking police, breaking windows, and knocking down doors. Adding that, the people have pushed through and are storming to main chambers. Trump tweeted, I am asking for everyone at the US Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. Senator Ted Cruz tweeted, Those storming the Capitol need to stop now. The Constitution protects peaceful protests, but violence. From left or right is always wrong. And those engaged in violence are hurting the cause they say they support. One woman was shot in the Capitol. According to CNN, which cited the Metropolitan Police Department, the woman died at a Washington area hospital later on Wednesday. Senate Majority
1: Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, spoke on the Senate floor Wednesday and warned his colleagues of the danger of further challenging the 2020 presidential election results per The Hill.
2: The voters, the courts, and the states have all spoken. They've all spoken. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever.
1: McConnell added that while he has supported the president's right to use legal means to challenge the results of the election and ensure its accuracy, Congress does not have the right to overrule election results.
2: If this election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side, our democracy would enter a death spiral. We'd never see the whole nation except an election again. Every four years would be a scramble for power at any cost. The Electoral College, which most of us on this side have been defending for years, would cease to exist. The
1: Senate leader further challenged Republicans to accept the outcome of the 2020 election, saying Democrats spent the past four years challenging the validity of Trump's election, while those on the right condemn those challenges. There can be no double
0: standard, McConnell said. Senator Ted Cruz, who challenged Arizona's vote, said per CBS, I would urge both sides perhaps a bit less certitude and a bit more recognition that we are gathered at a time when democracy is in crisis. The Texas Republican added, Recent polling shows that 39% of Americans believe the election that just occurred, quote, was rigged. You may not agree with that assessment, but it is nonetheless a reality for nearly half the country. Cruz and 10 other senators and senators-elect we're calling for an audit of the election to be completed in 10 days. Vice President
1: Mike Pence told Congress in a letter Wednesday that he would not block the certification of the 2020 presidential election. In the letter, Pence said, It is my considered judgment that my oath to support and defend the Constitution constrains me from claiming unilateral authority to determine which electoral votes should be counted and which should not. The vice president added that some believe that as vice president, I should be able to accept or reject electoral votes unilaterally. Others believe that electoral votes should never be challenged in a joint session of Congress. After a careful study of our Constitution, our laws, and our history, I believe neither view is correct. Pence continued on to explain that in the instance of the 2020 election, he does not believe he has the constitutional authority to not certify the election results. President Trump responded to the letter in a tweet, writing, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution.
0: President Trump addressed supporters on Wednesday prior to the storming of the Capitol. Trump said, we will never give up we will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. He later added, referring to Joe Biden, we'll have an illegitimate president. We can't let that happen. Trump also said, Republicans are constantly fighting like a boxer with his hands tied behind his back, adding, we want to be so nice. We want to be so respectful of everybody, including bad people. We are going to have to fight much harder.
1: Now stay tuned for my conversation with Janae Strackey, the grassroots director of Heritage Action for America, as we discuss the Georgia Senate runoff election. Americans use firearms to defend themselves between 500,000 and 2 million times every year. But God forbid that my mother is ever faced with a scenario where she has to stop a threat to her life. But if she is, I hope politicians protected by professional armed security didn't strip her of the right to use the firearm she can handle most
2: competently. To watch the rest of heritage expert Amy Swear's testimony on assault weapons before the House Judiciary Committee, head to the Heritage Foundation YouTube channel. There you'll find talks, events, and documentaries backed with the reputation of the nation's most broadly supported Public Policy Research Institute. Start watching now at heritage.org slash YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and share.
1: On Tuesday, Georgia had two runoff elections between Republicans Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue and Democrats Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. This election was a huge deal, not just because it determined who would represent Georgia in the Senate, but also because if Democrats won both seats, that would essentially give the Democrats control of the Senate. So to help us understand the importance of this election, what happened on Tuesday, and what it takes to run a grassroots campaign effort is Janae Strackey, the grassroots director of Heritage Action for America. Janae, welcome back to the show.
3: Thank you, it's always good to be on.
1: Well, it's so good to have you back. And I do want to give our listeners just a heads up. Um, Janae is amazing and so kind and is awesome to be doing this interview actually at the airport in Atlanta. She's getting ready to fly back to the D.C. area. So as you're hearing right now, flights are going to be uh, announced while we're doing the conversation. This is all part of that grassroots look, what it looks like to be on the ground doing the hard work. And we're so glad she's taking the time to chat with us this morning. Uh, But Janae, Heritage Action for America, or HAFA, as we often call it, is the grassroots arm of the Heritage Foundation. So you all actually engage in political campaigns. And that's exactly what you've done in Georgia over the course of the past two months so let's begin with the most pressing news and that is what happened in Georgia on Tuesday now I do want to let our listeners know we're having this conversation Wednesday morning so of course um, information and results are going to continue to come out the rest of the day Wednesday into Thursday morning but can you let us know what your thoughts are on the results right now
3: yeah that's right. So, as you said, I'm on the ground here in georgia we've um I've been here pretty much every weekend and and then some for the last seven weeks, and we've been down here with our uh, grassroots organization, our grassroots, which we call sentinels. Um, we've been on the ground door knocking, making phone calls, sending text messages, all sorts of stuff we've been down here doing, and we can talk a little bit more about that later, but you know an initial analysis. Um, from last night. It does look like Kelly Leffler um, has lost her race. Uh, David Perdue is is still in the running. There is at least one county that still needs to be counted as well as some absentee and I believe military ballots. Um, So it's really close and I think we knew going into this it was going to be razor thin. That's why um, having our grassroots down here and you know all the time money and energy that we spent on this race was so crucial and was so important because we knew i mean this could come down to a few votes um we've seen that happen before um and i I think that will be the case with purdue's race so every vote counts and that's what we've been saying from day one this was really um an election about voter turnout that was what it was going to come down to is whose base showed up
1: well and As we've seen, there was a really strong turnout. There were over three million individuals who voted early in Georgia and then uh, over a million that turned out on Election Day. That's a really high turnout for a runoff election. I know uh, many individuals in Georgia were really happy to see that.
3: Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, just the scope and nature of this election, all all eyes are on Georgia. The entire nation was watching the entire nation was talking about it. And that's because this has impact on the entire nation. Um, so I think Georgians felt that pressure and were probably engaged more than they normally would be. So there definitely was um, high turnout based on, you know, traditional turnout for a, a special election like this. Um, I think what was interesting is uh, so heritage action spent our time in um, five counties, predominantly around the uh, Atlanta proper and the Atlanta suburbs, um, and that was that was an area that really hurt hurt us in the general. We really needed to make sure that conservatives showed up here, that showed up for conservative values. So that's where we've been spending our time. And based on you know the initial reports, at least it looks like more suburban moms came out than they did in the general and so you know that tells me that we were in the right place doing the right thing but unfortunately it was the rural counties and the rural areas that hurt a bit more on turnout so it's interesting to see those numbers flip from the general to um, this special runoff where suburban moms showed up and uh, the rural areas did not so I think there's probably a few reasons for that but I think ultimately that will be what hurt us.
1: Well, and why do you think that is? Why was there that lower turnout in the rural areas?
3: You know, I I think there's a few different reasons for it. Um, One being what we've already talked about is that turnout is just traditionally lower for um, a runoff election and people, for whatever reason, don't make it as much of a priority. Um, and and maybe there wasn't as much of a push there. You know, we were canvassing in, in the suburban areas, which is an important place for us to be. We can't be uh, in every county, certainly, um, but you know, maybe they needed that extra push. We were sending text messages. Um, but I, I I also think that a really big part of this are um, the the Trump's base. Um, you know, many of you are probably hearing some of the rallies happening in Georgia from um, lawyers such as Lynn Wood. You know, there was one in particular where he actually called on Georgia residents to not vote. Um, because he was upset about the general election. And, you know, there were m- many, many, many conservative organizations, conservative um, elected officials that were down here touring the state saying, please show up and vote. You, you can be upset about the general election. We should fight um, with everything we have to make sure that our elections are, are fair and that there is integrity um, within our systems. But the worst thing you could do is stay home. If you, if you don't vote, then you know, there's, there's, there's one way to be sure that your vote isn't counted, and that's to stay home and to not vote. So we were all um, making a rallying cry for people to show up and vote anyway. But I do think that that ended up hurting us.
1: Well, we're going to be continuing to watch those results as they roll in. As of Wednesday morning, the Associated Press was reporting 98% of the vote reported. Um, And like you mentioned, we're especially keeping close eyes on the Purdue race to see as ballots continue to be counted. That one is really razor thin right now. Um, But Janae, I want to chat a little bit just about the work that you all did on the ground. I mean, running... This sort of grassroots effort is a ton of work. Can you just tell us, what did a normal day look like for you over the past two months?
3: Yeah, well, when we're on the ground here, I mean, a normal day was was rallying the troops. We've been um, recruiting our sentinels, as I said, to come join us in Georgia. We obviously have some here in Georgia, but we had people traveling in from all over the country. California, Michigan, Tennessee, Texas everywhere. Nebraska, I mean I'm telling you we had we had grass seeds coming from everywhere and on um, because they knew what was on the line and they were willing to put their lives on the hold, on hold, sacrifice their personal time, finances to show up in Georgia and do everything they could um, to turn out the conservative vote. Um, So a a typical day was, you know, if we had new grassroots that hadn't been on the ground yet, we would start out um, training them on how to door knock. Some are really experienced and have done this before, have helped with various campaigns and others were here for the first time and were like, you know, we don't know are doing, but we want to help. And um, so we would train them. It was, you know, very user friendly. Anyone can do it. It's a little t- intimidating at first, but then we would send them out. We would meet back for meals um, and, and they would, they would knock all day. And, you know, we also had thousands of people across the country that were making phone calls for us, sending text messages. So the outpouring of support from our grassroots is really incredible to see. We ended up exceeding our goal. We contacted over 1.5 million Georgia voters and ended up increasing that goal to 2 million. So we were really pleased with the work that we were able to do. We, we hit our goals and then some, and that was only possible because of um, all the help of grassroots from around the country. Um, the other thing that we did was um, worked with our grassroots to get signed up as poll workers and poll watchers. And this is really a crucial part of an election. We did this in the general as well. Um, down here in Georgia, we had um, well over 300 volunteers sign up to um, work in various counties, and some of the stories that I was getting from um, those volunteers yesterday were um, great to hear, some positive, some neutral, some were reporting suspicious activity or what they thought to be um, illegal activity, and we would make sure that was reported and handled, Um, but what really stood out to me were the volunteers that were reaching out to me and saying, I'm the only conservative here, or, you know, there's two of us here. We came together. We're the only conservative. Um, and that again, tells me that, you know, we were exactly where we needed to be. We were doing exactly what we needed to do. If, if our grassroots weren't there, there would have been no conservatives at that, at that County or at that precinct. So every bit that our grassroots were doing was vital. Um, and, and I do believe made an impact. At the end of the day, uh, we'll see how this turns out. It might um, swing in favor of Purdue, um, but but I really believe that without without the grassroots support, this um, would have looked really different.
1: So, as you all were engaging with people in Georgia, as you were knocking on doors, sending those text messages, and then even at the polls on Tuesday, what were you all hearing from Georgians, from the people that that live in the state?
3: Mostly it was positive. Um, We spent our time knocking predominantly with our base. There were definitely some um, independents in there, some undecideds. um, But, you know, it was predominantly our base. As I said earlier, this is a lot about voter turnout. Um, This is a a really unique election and we weren't trying to change minds. And, uh, you know, a huge part of that as well is that um, Georgia has been saturated that you can't turn on your tv or radio or open your mailbox without um, receiving something about this election so almost everyone we talked to nobody answered the door and said who Oh, i don't know who's the candidate everybody knew um if you open the door it was within a few seconds you could figure out if they um if they'd already voted or not but their mind was already made up. Most people knew they were going to vote for, um, and I would say it was a, a relatively positive response. Most people I spoke with personally um, were like, "Oh yeah, you don't you don't have to worry about me. I've got my plan." Um, you know, even just yesterday, talking to people, a lot of the conservatives I spoke to are dumbfounded uh, for lack of a better word. I mean, they're really just wondering what happened. You know. Mm-hmm why is our state going this direction? Um, so I think it's a wake-up call for, for Georgians because they're really, you know, there's a lot of conservatives down here that thought we're we're a deep red state. This is, is really baffling to them to even see, you know, the fact that they're having a special runoff at all, um, that the fact that it's as close as it is, is really shocking to them.
1: Well, and Georgia, of course, has been a red state for about 20 years now. Um, so... As you've kind of been in the weeds of that campaign world and really on the ground in Georgia, digging into what is the situation, uh, you know, were you kind of able to answer that question for any of those folks who were asking, wait a second, I'm conservative. I thought I lived in a really conservative state. What's going on?
3: Yeah, well, I think Georgia is not all that different from a a lot of our other states where you can have a a red state, but you've got these dense city urban populations where that's starting to shift um, for a variety of reasons. Um, Certainly the younger vote has a a big impact on that. And often um, younger people are living in those urban areas. So um, I, I think it really is the cities that Swing on this. And I think that combating that is going to be twofold. Um, We certainly need to um, continue doing what we're doing traditionally, you know, just saturating the field and educating people, but we really have to get ahead of it. It's not enough to um, talk to voters a month before the election and and try to convince them to vote for it we have to change hearts and minds and that you know that's what um, heritage action is all about is education and working with our grassroots to make sure that they're informed and equipped um, not only to know where they stand on issues but to be able to talk to um, their friends family neighbors their kids their grandkids uh, and heritage action you know we've been down here on the ground in georgia but we didn't we didn't just pick this up in Georgia we've been doing this all year in swing states and we just transitioned um, what we've already been doing to Georgia Um, and we plan on continuing um, these grassroots efforts I really think that that is um, where the political landscape is is shifting it's going to be face-to-face conversations and so we're going to keep um working in important swing states and um being on the ground building those relationships having those conversations and um trying to change some hearts and minds and win elections you know we if if we do um maybe we'll hang on to produce the and and, and buy us some time um but you know elections are not final even Warnock, who uh, we, i believe has beat leffler he's going to be up for re-election again in in 2022 because this was a special election so um that's the most most senators are going to go in and be in for six years that's not the case for him um so elections are not final uh we can't give up there's going to be a new fight tomorrow and heritage action is is not going anywhere we're going to keep keep fighting (laughs) well that's good to hear because we need people like yourselves to keep fighting to be on
1: the ground Talk a little bit about why you do what you do. I mean, it is pretty grueling to go in, do all of this work on the ground. um, And then, you know, as we're seeing right now, uh, you know, it looks like Leffler has lost her race. That's got to be discouraging when you have put so much work into trying to, um, you know, really back a candidate that you believe in, really advocate for values that you believe in. And then it doesn't always work out the way that you hoped and the way that you've been working for.
3: Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, yeah, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't discouraging. It's, of course, um, you know, not fun to, to lose. Um, but I, I think that to answer your question why I do what I do and why Heritage Action does what we do is because we believe in freedom. We believe in America. We believe in the Constitution. Um, and, and we're going to fight for that no matter what. So, you know, as I already mentioned, elections are not final, defeat is not final, victory is also not final. So um, I think in this line of work and really for any American, whether you work in, whether you work in politics and policy or not, it impacts your life. And this is, is and should be something you care about. Um, And as exhausting and frustrating as it can be, we can't give up because it's never final. And, you know, I think the left does that really well. They've been chipping away at our our values and what we stand for in America for decades. This is is not new for them either. I think we're in the position we're in now because, really comes down to our education system and, and people, um, you know, our understanding of history and what America really stands for and why we operate the way that we do, um, what the constitution says has been chipped away at for a really long time. So um, we cannot give up. We have to match that by equally fighting and not saying, oh, you know, well, it's a slippery slope. We've gone too far. All is lost. No, that's not true. We have to keep fighting. And, um, you know, I, you've maybe heard this quote before, it says, perfectionism abhors error. It tries to eradicate and destroy it. Excellence embraces error. It builds on it and it transforms it. So we at Heritage Action are striving to be excellent. um, And we'll, we'll always evaluate. All right, we lost this race. Why do we think that is? Do we need to change our strategy? How do we um, further Policy. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what elections are about. We want to win elections so that we can win policy. Um, so really, it comes down to the policy battles, and we're gonna we're gonna spend the next few years still fighting for policy and um, looking for unique strategies to to still win.
1: On well, the work that you all do at Heritage Action it's so important but it's also so unique because you know it's it's not just people sitting in you know washington behind computers you all are out there you're on the ground and you're mobilizing Communities through your Sentinel program. And so much of your work in Georgia was, uh, was completed and achieved through volunteers. And so much of, you know, yeah. mobilizing people to get out and vote. We had that high voter turnout, I believe exactly because of people like the Sentinels. Can you talk a little bit about the Sentinel program and how our listeners can get involved, can learn more, and can join you all in their own state, in their own community? these
3: yeah that's right i mean you said it well this is just um these are just american patriots who love america and um that is really the fuel to me personally and what i do i love getting out in the field and interacting with our sentinels i mean as i said earlier in the interview they have sacrificed a lot um you know it, it's my job to be down here in georgia but many um it's not all of the sentinels i'm working with sacrificed time at their, their job, um, their finances, their time to come and help with this. And um, I see that every day working with them and it is, is truly inspiring. So they're cream of the crop, incredible people. Um, they're also from all different walks of life. Uh, some of them are involved um, heavily in, in politics in their communities and others, you know, come with zero experience and are just, worried about where the nation is going and and they want to help be a part of change and make a difference. And so I would encourage any of our listeners to go to heritageaction.com backslash sentinel. Um, Again, it's heritageaction.com backslash sentinel. You can sign up there. You're going to get connected with a regional coordinator who lives in your area, can answer any of your questions, will connect you with other sentinels. Um, We have meetups and sentinel summits or we do in-person trainings. I host a weekly call um, that updates everyone on what's going on Capitol Hill um, in upcoming battles, the strategy on it. We want to make sure you know what's happening um, before you're hearing it on your TV. By the time the news is talking about it, it's usually baked and decided. Um, So we want to be strategic about our influence and and make sure that you know about the issues that matter while you can still have um, influence and impact with your with your members at Congress. Um, so we have all sorts of different resources for you. And again, um, don't be intimidated if you haven't been involved in any kind of activism before. There are all sorts of things you can do um, and all different skill sets. So we need you. We would love to have you have you join. Um, again, you can sign up at heritageaction.com sentinel.
1: That's wonderful. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. We'll let you catch your flight now, but we just really appreciate you coming on the show, talking to us Absolutely. about Georgia, what happened. Um, and of course, we're going to continue to monitor the situation and watch those votes roll in specifically um, for Purdue. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find The Daily Signal podcast
1: on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as always, please encourage others to subscribe.
0: Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with you all tomorrow.
2: The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation.